This episode, we uh, brought on our guest to discuss unions and unionization, um, but we do want to first apologize for all of the older jokes. Uh, this was recorded back before uh, Pete Buttigieg had dropped out and even before the coronavirus. Uh, we were supposed to release this about a month ago, but unfortunately our editor, who lives in Brazil, uh, had caught the Rona due to being stuck in one of Bolsonaro's internment camps. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we're just fucking lazy. Uh, please enjoy. Uh, we'll be trying to get back on schedule and hopefully starting to release weekly episodes. Um, uh, we will have one more union episode before the release of our free episode, and uh, we'll be back on track hopefully by then. Thank you so much. D- DS is, um, I'm pretty sure, going to be offering to do this episode because uh, he, and I quote, loves fiber. Really? Yeah. Well, that's true. I love DS back. DS is great. Cool. I'll ship it. Uh, for the record, uh, I hate DS. Uh, just saying. Uh, I just <laughs> want to, you know, I just, I just love shitting on our producers. I love it. I love just <laughs> driving them away so I don't get any content out of it and have to do everything myself. It's great. Yeah. Being well, an asshole. Okay. I've been advised not to say what I think about DS. <laughs> well, Khan, see, the the best way to kind of get rid of our producer at this point would probably be just supporting Bolsonaro because they are out of Brazil. <laughs> oh, like, just report him to Bolsonaro. <laughs> yeah. Um so <laughs> off to a great start. But, oh, it always is. It always is fiber. Like There we go. Uh, if if you That's actually my opinion. <laughs> if you actually listen to the other other episodes, we actually have on record Khan supporting Zoophilia. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is, this is... Look, this is a safe space, Con. Look, look, I'm pleading... I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what they did in The Irishman, I'm gonna plead the fifth. Uh, I'm gonna use my constitutional right to say, uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> just look at the photo, Con. just look at the photo before you <laughs> no, plead the is fifth. is this pen black? No, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> what the man? <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. I, I think that's actually the beautiful thing about the about pleading the fifth is nobody understands that if you plead the fifth, like you have to plead the fifth the entire time you're up there. You can't answer a single question because as soon as you reply back, because I think um what was that what was that movie about the uh there was a movie about the girl who was part of the um politicians who the people who like tried to get the politicians to vote a certain way and she was part of like the most evil institution and. Uh, oh, was it like that? The one teeth. that she was playing like poker? No, no. What's uh? Oh no! Oh no! God, what's oh. the name of that movie? Hold on. Is uh, it The Irishman? No, it's not The Irishman. Oh my God! <laughs> You're The Irishman <laughs> with the mob. Oh. By Which, the way, can we actually can we can we actually mention? I don't I don't know if this is actually true, and I'm not sure if I if I'm getting this right. But Jack Kelly is explicitly Irish. So why are all these union people Irish? Fiber, can you answer that question? Why are union men Irish? Uh, well, you see, it's a it's a common misconception. Uh, a, a lot of Irishmen need to become union men because they're not considered men or even human when they make it to America. <laughs> so 
so joining the union is a way to become more human and also a person. Wait, so um, man, this is some high quality Patreon banter. I love it. <laughs> oh, th- we're doing Patreon banter. Is this the right time to take a hit? Yeah. So, so it's it's not that they're Irish anymore. They they've replaced their identity. This this is like so many levels of the Hibernian question. Like I don't even know. <laughs> Wait, is is that also why the majority of policemen are Irish too? Because they're fighting to reclaim their status as being bootlickers. Uh, I would like to exercise my Fifth Amendment right to uh, <laughs> not answer that question. Ooh, woo. Okay, so let, right. to get the, the show back on track, uh, if we haven't heard about it... Wait, we're, there's a track to get on? Oh my there's God. never a track. If you haven't Have heard you about... Have even done intros? There's never, there's never. Let's do intros, let's do this intros. This is the pre-show, this is the pre-show stuff. Uh, it's it's <laughs> always the pre-show. I was just saying, let's do intros. <laughs> The entire the entire show is just pre-show. It's just it's it's just constantly as preying. There is no orgasm. It's just oh. that's that's all it is. It's just pre. So we're we're edging the show. <laughs> you, just like just like Bernie edges Buttigieg. Got him. <laughs> I'm once again asking you not to come. <laughs> oh, Hi, I got a small yeah. favor to ask you. I am no longer asking. I just, did you guys see that one where she's hold, when he's holding the fucking gun? That was great. I am no longer asking. Yeah. Yes. This is this is how Bernie wins. And then we are no longer asking. Oh, Bernie's oh, kind of uh, side note. Did, did you guys? So I, I hate to bring this up because my dad brought this up because I was talking to him today. Why? Did you guys know that more people in New Hampshire went out and voted for Donald Trump in the primary? That he's not being contested in. Literally, people went out to just vote for Donald Trump in a primary where he's being uncontested. Then people voted for Bernie in the entire New Hampshire election. Well, Bernie was running against like five people and Donald Trump was running against zero, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, that's fair. It doesn't mean anything. Anyways, um, welcome to the Patreon side of Furries Get Bread Pilled podcast, where we discuss movies and how they relate to anarchy. Well, I don't even think that's going to be the theme. I think just what just happened in the last two episodes. Well, well, Jack Ryan. Well, Jack Ryan was not a movie as so much as it was a shit show. Oh my god! Oh my god! You mean a CIA a CIA psyop? Yeah. Why would you? Why would you guys suggest like subject yourselves to what is ostensibly look, like look, video basically, waterboarding? Basically, the reason why we did it was we needed something on Patreon, and me and my friend got drunk and said, hey, let's watch Jack Ryan, and so we did it, and then of we course. put it on the Patreon. Wait, are we supposed to be drinking? We're always drinking. That's oh. why... That's all... If you haven't noticed in The Irishman, he's drunk all the time. No, tea or liquor? My favorite part about movie is definitely when he puts liquor in the watermelon. Yeah, right? What was it? Um, he, the 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 politician doesn't like watermelon. He doesn't like liquor. So we're gonna put the liquor in the watermelon. No, it was Jimmy Hoffa that didn't like like, like liquor. Oh yeah, Jahafa, the 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 wonderful union man, the the man who brought Teamsters to the world. Uh, Teamster sounds like a like a really bad Silicon Valley startup. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> is it uh, is it like a Friendster? Kind from of. that one movie, Cyberbully. Well, Fre- so- Friendster was a real thing for like two minutes. God, what? I don't know if I remember members of this, but I actually kind of stand the Teamsters Union just because it had mob connections. Um, <laughs> Wait, also- you stand them because they were fucking mobbed up? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you gotta be gay and do crimes. <laughs> yeah, but Fuck, when Pete Buttigieg does it, it's not good. But it's because he does bad crimes. 
<laughs> yeah, he does like he does white collar crimes. You don't do those. You do blue collar crimes. You fuck it's it so up. terrible when the CIA front that I don't support starts getting power. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> it's got to be my um, CIA guys. Yeah, exactly. So this 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 episode we have uh, Fibersynth, the Samoyed, uh, or if if he wants to go ahead and produ- uh, introduce himself, this should be fun. Yeah, of course. I am Fibersynth. Uh, Samoyed, I go by he, him. I am an organizer with the IWW, mm. and uh, I'm here to just uh, share some of my knowledge here today. Are you going to share your mob ties? Yeah, really. Um, I'm, I'm once again uh, asking you to uh, respect <laughs> my Fifth Amendment rights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on this episode, we're actually going to be discussing two movies, um, mostly because I don't think all, three, all four of us have actually asked, watched both of them, except for me. Um, we are discussing Ooh, The Irishman fancy. and Newsies. Both kind of have uh, unions as pivotal points in their in their plots. Um, the the so, union was the whole plot. Well, that's that's Newsies. So Newsies, Go watch the Newsies. Newsies it's is good. really good. And actually, so kind of ironic. You see, it, see it again. So it's actually really ironic that Disney put out the Newsies when it Disney is, was so been... anti-union as it is. Like, God, we're talking, like, brilliant. Disney himself had killed union members. Oh, yeah, there is, so there's a lot of interesting stuff. I, I remember listening to the Grubstakers podcast on Walt Disney and some of the Patreon Oh, side. that was such a good one. That was such a good one. There was a lot of good ones where there was, like, um, oh, what was it? It was, like, a second-in-command who got, like, rebuffed by Disney and then just, like, basically went out and just started, like, picketing for the union and basically got to a fight with Walt Disney when he came out of the studio, and he's like, there he is! There's a motherfucker that doesn't support our union! And then they just, like, Walt Disney's like, I'm gonna kill you! And he runs out. <laughs> basically, I, I, I like, do... Jimmy Hoffa and uh, uh, Joe Pro in this, or Tony Pro in this movie, in The Irishman. Well, but, but Jimmy Hoffa actually was helpful to the Teamsters, and I don't know if uh, Fiber has any background on the Teamsters union, even though they're... He, He's part of the IWW. I mean, I would, I would assume, I would assume that there's some kind of idea. <laughs> Once again, my business ties are, are not <laughs> what I'm here to discuss <laughs> this evening. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm as a syndicalist, a big fan of, of all unions. I, I have opinions about uh, Jimmy Hoffa and like sort of his relationship with the union. That we can talk about that at length now or later, whichever pleases folks. I would say well, generally. I, I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I I do, before we actually get into it, I do want to kind of give uh, an overview of what the plot of Newsies and the Irishman are. Um, You know, spoilers ahead. Bing, bing. So, Newsies is actually a... Newsies is a musical that was produced in 1992 by Disney. Um, It was originally a a musical for, like, Broadway or something like that. Iron is neat. Yeah. And and Disney picked it up. And it's basically... The the entire movie is about... Is about this... uh, About the Newsboys strike in New York City of 1899... 1899. 1999. Jesus. Can you imagine if we had a... Can you imagine if we had a union strike in 1999? They'd all get shot. We've seen... Yeah, we've had a union strike since then, so... Well, we haven't had a couple union strikes, but generally, if it happens, like... In like a lot of these countries, like in like in uh, Turkey, there's been a lot of strikes, and generally, what ends up happening is the government just comes out and just shoots everyone. So, and so the reason that they actually form the union is because uh, newsies, their entire their entire profit, they're, they're basically the majority of them are either lower class children or orphans, uh, and they get the majority of their food income from selling newspapers on the corner, which is what newsies are. They would the 
the children that you always see in movies that wear the 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 hats that I the only way I can describe the flat them are like, cap, I think. Yeah, well, kind of. I always describe them as punk caps because yeah, I've always I always see punks wearing them. Um, but they basically that car looks good. It was it was going fine until one day, uh, the major newspaper in New York was like, "Hey, let's actually increase the prices that the newsies pay, not the not the the retail price, but the re- price that would be would be considered the back end retail price." That the newsies pay by like fifty cents or something, which back then was outrageous. Like that would be like a four or five dollar hike per paper increase. Um, and the newsies were like, "Yeah, we can't afford this," so they all form a union and strike. Um, so during this, the big business does everything they can, including they hire what would be considered nowadays Pinkertons, but they were like, they weren't actually Pinkertons. Um. The, Kira, I don't know if you could back me up on this. What, do, do you remember what the, like, the name of the of that group was that they hired to kind of bruise their way against scabs? Um, I do not. Okay, well, they, they, hire, they hire this, this team that basically tries to defend scabs against the, the strike. Which, if, for those who don't know what a scab is, I think Fiber would be able to describe what a scab is the a... best way. Of course, a bastard. Um, but a bastard... <laughs> uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, a bastard after my own heart, though. I suppose. Uh, they they what see the a job opportunity and they think, my, this offer's too good to be true. An employer, an employer paying wages that I actually deserve. And then they walk up their first day to work and they see a shit ton of people picketing, typically. And th- you become a scab when you make the choice to cross the picket line, I think is the most succinct definition I could give for you. Yeah. It's someone who's been hired by the boss to replace striking workers. Oh, workers, can you stand it? Oh, tell me how you can. Will you be a lousy scab or will you be a... Yeah, that was um, one of the big, biggest examples of this in the 80s was the NFL strike. Um, when they literally got like other team, like like a whole nother team that sucked ass to play on the field, what everyone was striking. Well, so that that kind of brings me to a tangential tra- question, and if you, this is this is kind of like a theme running theme for the podcast is that's all we do is just talk about tangents. Um, now would a scab would a scab be considered someone who would cross the picket line, punch in, and then walk out to join the picket line? Ah, uh, I mean, no, are they collecting would, um... wages? <laughs> That's like the ultimate anti-scab, though. They're just basically taking money from the company and not doing anything. So that's like even bigger. No, no. Yeah, it's that's like, praxis. It's praxis. Yeah. Okay. And then that brings me to another question. Let's say you have a workplace that has multiple unions in it. Like, for example, when it comes to the Teamsters union, Teamsters are explicitly a union for drivers. So if you're working at, let's say, FedEx, for example, and the drivers are striking, but as a loader unloader of the dr- of the of the trucks, if you go into work and you cross the driver's picket line, and you're still just doing your job, but you're not in, you're not interfering with the with the strike itself, would you be considered a scab? May I? Well, here's the trouble with uh, FedEx is FedEx did not have a union, so when you cross that line, it's because you don't have that backing. They're not going to come after you. So, so Fiber, you said that a person who works outside that doesn't work with it doesn't work against the union, but still works crossing the picket line as a scab. I think this question requires a bit of context, right? Um, okay. Typically, before Taft-Hartley, two unions 
if you had a union FedEx driver and then they were supplying a business that had a union members who were on strike, it's a very common thing. These are called solidarity strikes when a, when a union driver wouldn't supply this company. Um, those are illegal now because of sort of the new Labor Relations Act. And by new, I mean the 60, 70-year-old Labor, Labor Re Relations Act that we have. Um, so, I mean, you literally can't scab, or sorry, you can't not scab legally in the United States. I mean, if you went on strike just because the business your company worked for, like, was shitty and they were in the middle of contract negotiations or what the fuck ever, like, you wouldn't be protected under federal law. You could still strike. You can strike for any reason you like, but you wouldn't be protected. And so most business unions don't participate in solidarity strikes now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you were just a random truck driver, I mean, Jesus, like, you'd probably still do your job. And I don't know if I could even fault you for it. But yeah, you'd technically be a scab. Then again, we're all scabbing on each other all the time until we're all organized. Mm, no, that's true. Pretty much. Hey, you know, we could get on that organizer. The real scabs quick. were the friends we made along the way. Um. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> so, so kind of continue the, the plot line of Newsies. Um, it, it gets to a point where... This they they managed to unionize all of the newsies across the the greater New York City area. So they got Boston, they got Ma they got Manhattan, not Boston. They got Manhattan, they got the Queens, they got the, all the all what five or six districts in New York all all striking together. All the newsies striking together, and it gets to a point, uh, and Fiverr will be able to probably support this idea that there comes a point where if you don't have a proper strike fund. Striking when it goes long gets to a point where people are like, "Well, is this really worth it?" And Jack Kelly decides the the person who initially had pushed for the unionizing has decided, "Well, I need the money. I need to feed myself and my family. I'm I'm gonna cross my own strike line." In which case, the entire union looks at him and goes, "What the fuck are you doing, traitor?" Yeah, mm -hmm. more or less. And they, they fight, and there's, like, there's a big musical number where the, he's won back over, and they win. And they win him back over, and he comes back over, and the big businessmen finally decide, well, we're losing money by the day by not... Well, they definitely had him as a, uh, as a dancing bear. Who, Jack Kelly? Yeah. I, my kind of guy. He's in the movie. Yeah. So he, he was... They, they kind of... The, the, the businessmen, businessmen kind of broke, broke him down because they thought that if they, took, if they cut off the head... Of the snake, the snake would die, but unfortunately, the when it, was it comes like to in Ghidorah. yeah, uh, unfortunately, when it comes to unions, if you have a strong enough union, you can't just get rid of one leader and have it wither away. It's a multi-headed snake. It's a hydra. Yeah. Bitty bitty bitty. So the the strike continues, and Jack Kelly is one bike over, and it gets to a point where the businessmen are like, "Well, this is actually costing us more money than it's worth. Uh, we're not going to be making." any kind of money if we don't give in to these strikers. So they finally give in to the strikers, and the strikers win, and that's more or less the, the plot of the movie. Um, it's a really good movie, and I think everybody should watch it, especially uh, because it has very positive union relation um, overtures. And ironically, you know, being Disney and all, I, I think if... It's a feel-good communist movie. We don't yeah, get enough I, of those. I, I think if more people have seen Newsies as what unions actually do, then we wouldn't have this idea of what is presented in The Irishman as, you know, oh, the union is just there to make money for the mob. 
Yeah, another um, good union uh, actually play would be um, that actually has a lot of really interesting ties to like um, just sort of uh, gender, especially is uh, Billy Elliot. Hello. It's a very great. Yeah, it's basically during the um, coal strikes during the 1980s in England. Oh, and I actually saw that. Yeah, it's a very good play. I would recommend it a lot. Uh, um, I've never seen the play, but there was a movie. Yeah, there's a movie uh, at the same after the same thing. But um, Billy Elliot's another good one, and it kind of follows the same plot line in a certain sense. Where well. It's basically about kind of how sometimes unions can be a bit reactionary in their social views, where it's like, you know, his parents are like big union guys and they're doing all this stuff, and like his kid wants to be a ballet dancer, they're like, oh no, you can't do that, you gotta be, you know, a working man and whatever. And it's basically co- like the, the the conclusion of the movie is coming to like a, a source of intersectionality, really, about like, you know, his parents- It is pretty great. Yeah, it is very great. It's basically like, you know, the conflicts are kind of resolved and people go, you know what, we can have this solidarity um, and not keep these sort of rigid gender roles. So it's basically kind of going into sort of, uh, you know, you know, intersectionality in general. Yeah, and kind of like, I don't know, the, the way the characters come around, they basically it's like, oh right, we're fighting to make the world better. Okay, for them, let's do it. So I think coming off of the newsies, before we move on to the Irishman, we should kind of have, have Fiber talk to us about what it, what it means to organize a union, what it means to start a union or even join a union, and how one strikes and what that means for the striking workers. They just declared the union and then he proceeded to strike, and that was a fucking badass moment. One man yeah. union. Oh my Fuck god, yeah. I, I wish it was that easy. Fucking, I am declaring a union! Look, if you have good choreography, you can do it. Yeah, and and that actually brings me to, so A-E-I-O-U, uh, believe it or not, uh, does stand for different tap dancing routines. So, if you guys don't mind, uh, I have a YouTube video I want you all to watch. Okay, good. Uh, I don't, that's a joke, cut this part. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, like, it's, it's actually an hour long, it's actually an hour long YouTube video. Oh, on okay, to... it's in the description, uh, here. I'm that asshole who makes you watch, like, hour-long YouTube videos from Joe Rogan and all that. It'll make sense. You just have to watch the whole thing. Look, look, Jamie, can you pull up that can you pull up that clip of uh, uh, striking? (laughs) Yo, that's badass. (laughs) Yeah. Please don't sue us, Joe Rogan. You ever done DMT while you're on a strike? (laughs) No? You could. You can and you should. Um, (laughs) I've never been on a strike yet. Well, actually, kind of kind of praxis. Um, The only... DMT and any kind of psychedelics actually leave your system within two days, so if you know you're not going to be drug tested the next day, feel free to do drugs at your job. Uh, yeah, you could. <laughs> I will take uh, anyway, so AEIOU. Uh, it, it's it's hey. sort of the basis of the OT101, which is the training program that the IWW provides to prospective members and people who want to organize in their workplaces. It's very simple. So we'll start with A, agitate. E, educate. I inoculate, O organize, and U unionize. It's dead simple, honestly. Agitating, it's it's what it sounds like. You walk up to your coworker, and you ask them questions. You don't tell them what you feel. Uh, you can educate after that, saying, "Hmm, you know that sucks. We can do something about it. We have these legal protections." And you can inoculate after that, 
which is very important because the second two coworkers start talking alone, what do you think is going to happen? You think the boss is just going to be comfortable with that? Not after a while. Not after multiple coworkers are all talking to each other and not talking to the boss about their grievances. Wait. So, Fiber, you mean by inoculate, you mean you walk up to your other coworkers and stick them with a needle that has, you know, little little union virus, dead union viruses to kind of keep them unionized, right? No, no, no. It's uh, Pinkerton viruses because it's an inoculation, so it's got a weakened form of the virus. So your oh, immune system right. learns to fight it. Yeah. They actually. That's actually where Jimmy Hoffa's body went. They put it into a bunch of inoculations. God damn it. Okay, so I am not talking about business in this podcast. You will not perjure me. Okay? Oh, no, we're, we're talking about medicine here. But I am mobbed yeah. up my fucking eyeballs, okay? I will leave. But yes, no, so Your we chop up... Balls. You basically, yes, you, you chop up Jimmy Hoffa's body, and by inoculating, you tell people, look, the boss is going to say this. They're going to tell you, you don't need a union, you can just talk to us. They might do some more fucked up shit, like hold a hold you all hostage in a meeting. It's called a captive meeting, very important. Um, when bosses, they, they will do everything in their power. I really can't go into it in depth for this overview. It's mm-hmm. mostly intimidation. But yes, it's all intimidation. The, the point of it is to make you feel both powerless and also empowered by cooperating with your boss. It's a two-pronged system. They'll fucking shake your hand holding a knife behind their back. And what I'm saying to you three here is inoculation as well. I mean, it's just holding that militant line that cooperation got us to where we are now. And that is a fucked up place where all of our wages suck and uh, our hours suck and I fucking want to die. And uh, so maybe cooperation sucks. And you just got to hold firm to that. Also, let's... let's... Let's do a little bit of uh, recording the shit out of our bosses because, again, say it once, say it a million times, you can record your boss. We're recording from Minnesota, by the way. That's the law here. One party consent. Check if your state has it. Yes. My my state doesn't have it. That didn't stop me from doing stuff. But anyways. Oh. Some there there are some states. Please please be careful and double check your laws in your state because there are some states that do actually have explicit laws against recording without consent. And it is explicitly illegal to recur- record uh, parties who do not consent, such as Maryland. As well. Yeah. Right. Flo- Florida's, I think, a two-party... That two is called two-party consent? Yeah, Florida's two-party consent, I believe, but... Uh, I've done it before, but it's not technically legal, but if they want to sue me, sue me. Um, I think one of the biggest things I wanted to ask Fiber is uh, one of the main goals of, I think, especially this podcast in general, one of our biggest end goals is to be like, how can we bring um, sort of unionization to artists in the furry community? How do you like sort of unionize or try to make a guild out of uh, or some kind of um, collective bargaining out of a community that is uh, very fragmented? And this kind of goes into like the idea of like anarcho-syndicalism and how that would work. I believe, yeah. So, are you are you talking about the furry community in particular, or just artists more broadly? Furry in particular, but artists, we can yeah. go more broad and be artists in general. I mean, there's uh, there is a buyer or sorry, artist beware list, and also buyer beware list that you can uh, use. Well, yeah. I mean, w- with unionization, with uh, a sort of industry that's made up of essentially independent contractors it's really difficult for people who to to unionize people who already make sort of a killing in the industry but the converse of that is a lot of artists are struggling to get by 
So my advice to people looking to... On the contrary. To... <laughs> well, in the furry community, we sort of have a, a boom cycle for pornography, but a bust cycle for actual creative endeavors. Mm-hmm. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't know. That's not trying to be a Philistine here. I apologize. That's For creative endeavors creative. that don't involve orgasm, uh, there's sort of a, a Darth, right, in the industry. Wait, so, Fiverr, you're talking about edging, right? It does. It all comes back to edging, yes. It's always and, about edging. No, it doesn't. And, and just like that, I was on the edge of making a great point, which is it's twofold. One, artists stand to make more money when they work together and establish prices together. Uh, and, you know, it's not a cartel if workers do it, so don't at me. And two, you can create projects that are bigger than the sum of their parts when artists work together. Like, I think when a good sell that isn't said enough is when artists have, like, a, a cooperative, I, I guess you'd call it an institution, where they all work together, like, it becomes very easy to make cooperative projects, like games or, or art or books. It makes it a lot easier to get those off the ground when the artists already know each other and are competing for the same audience. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also just the idea of the fact that if you're in sort of a union, like, for instance, if you're doing stuff by yourself and, like, you know, you somehow get shirked out of money by uh, your commissioners or they, like, just don't give you money that they said they would give you, you really have almost, like, not a, not a whole lot of recourse. But if you're in, like, sort of a union, you're going to be able to, you know, have the funds and stuff to maybe even go after them legally in a certain sense, if that makes any sort of... Generally speaking, you can yes. at least uh, get them on a beware list. Well, yeah, but like that again. The, the whole point is like that artist still did labor and they didn't get paid for it, so that's basically a lost wages case if you're in a union. Yeah, we actually had something happen like that a few couple years ago. Solidarity forever. I actually do have a couple questions for Fiber. Um, my first question would have to be, at least in terms of what our, our current situation, what we're currently talking about. Um, my first question would be, how how does a contractor union function differently than a uh, an indu- industrial union, so to speak? Like where instead of it's just indiv- instead of having individual contractors all unionizing, you have a workplace unionized. And more to that point, how does a union function in relation to, let's say, a federation of communes? Because we had, since we just finished up the bread book, we were talking about the the generation of communes and how to defend oneself against, you know, outside influences and people trying to extract um, resources from the the, the communes. Um, how how would that look? To how would that look in regards to for example, in regards to a union, like would a federation be functionally similar to a workplace union, or more functionally similar to a contracted union? Wouldn't it be similar to Starfleet? <laughs> well, it would be similar to Starfleet because that's it, that is communism. But uh, go ahead, Fiber. Yeah, so it sounds like there's maybe two questions, or at least maybe I can tackle the first part, which is the difference between say. The, our, broad, our broader model of industrial unionism that we have in the IWW, and that's sort of reflected by larger uh, unions 
and then sort of a union of contractors. And I'd say that the easiest way to comprehend what that looks like is to take a look at existing cooperatives, where it's very much voluntary. When you don't have a boss, all it takes is an individual's choice to opt in. And for most people, all it takes is a strong pitch and a good reason. Um, it, some people, and honestly, this, this is the case. It makes it hard to unionize. If you do have a good thing going, you have no obligation to. Con, what you brought up was really important, which was how do artists sort of have recourse when people fuck them? And like, it's not so simple as having an artist beware because that requires artists to respect it. And newer artists either may not be aware of this or may need the money so much that they can't. Whereas with a union, you could say, we're all going to agree to, say, boycott this one bad consumer. It puts the power back in the hands of the artists, and that's how they can defend themselves. Um, it also prevents scabbing each other and allows people to arbitrate between each other without having to make it, I guess you could say, a situation where they are at odds with each other, which is typically found between smaller unions way. and contractors. I think also kind of going back to um, Gecko's question, they were kind of talking about um, kind of how does it work in the relationship to a society of... Um, communes. Yeah, in, in a society of communes. And I think that we actually have um, precedent for how this kind of works. For instance, the earliest Soviet Union, the Petrograd Soviet in particular, um, basically what it was, it was a huge council of union members. And, like, you know, that's what a Soviet is. It's Russian, basically, for union. And so we can look at sort of that early um, sort of Soviet Union stuff in the Petrograd Wait, Soviet. Wait, so the Union Union? Yeah, it was a giant union of unions. Oh, it was it's, a, the union, it's the Union Squared. Yeah, basically. It was basically, yeah, like, representatives from most, mostly... Uh, most of the different parts of the union, like you had the naval yards and people at Kronstadt and, um, you know, other people involved, but so they all... we could all... the Soviet Union coalition. Yeah, they were basically like, it was like a kind of like a coalition of unions and industrial laborers. And I think that we could look at that and take uh, note of their successes and their failures in order to um, more perfectly establish a... You know, just more perfectly establish how a commune would look, and I think that the um, for all the faults of the Petrograd Soviet, and we can go into them, there are many, it did a pretty good job of um, meeting the needs of the people, really, for the most part. And it did a really good job, especially of, uh, for, for better or worse, winning the Russian Civil War. Khan, I'm gonna have to stop you right there because any any more praise for the Soviet Union, the tankies might come out of the woodwork. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, actually, Stalin, um, Stalin destroying NEP was the best thing for the Soviet Union. I'm gonna come. Yeah, so the Soviets couldn't plan their way out of a picnic. If anyone should ask you your union to sell, just tell him where to go, send him back to hell. Get thee behind me, Satan. Travel on down the line I am a union man Gonna leave you behind So, so Fiber, just kind of returning back to the question, you explained what a what a contractor's work, what contractor's union would work, but how did, how would that compare to an industrial union like the IWW? Um, where it's, it's 
more on a workplace basis and less on an individual basis. Yeah, so that that brings us to sort of the... There's a good word for it, but it's not apotheosis. Anyways, it brings us to sort of the, the big difference. And honestly, I think... What is it with uh, you and apotheosis, uh, anyway? Do you mean it's, it's, a word, it's a word for... Wait, self-generating? No, apotheosis. Like the crux, the, the ascension to godhood... The, the pinnacle. Uh, well, like apop. Oh, okay. I keep thinking of apoptosis, but that's when the cell self destructs. That's not right. Yeah. That's oh, God, I wish so that were me. Different. <laughs> Same. <laughs> that is a cool animation. So, so to bring it back, the, the difference between a sort of cooperative union structure and an industrial union really is that an industrial union has more to overcome. An industrial union presumes that honestly, that there are bosses in each workplace that need to be brought down and replaced with elected officials, officers. Um, and while industrial unions can operate in a place with elected officers, typically, and especially 100% of the time now, uh, no boss is elected. And so if you're in an industrial union, you're dealing with a fucking boss. If you're in the fr- a freelancer's union, really, you're working in a cooperative with other people, yeah, it's and you don't have a, a boss. Yeah, it's actually a of anarchism. Yeah, it is. It's anarchism. Like, it's actually a basic, a business model of anarchism that's you know being working. And yeah, how do you do exactly. a union within anarchism? It, it almost, when you put it that way, makes sense that it would be hard to do because it feels a bit on the redundant side. It actually brings me to my one of my other questions, and we'll have to come back to since we already kind of discussed the second part of my first question. My second question would be. How does how does a union like like the IWW differ from the uh, AFL CIO, which is more of a trade union? How does how do they how are they functionally different, and how is a trade union more of a capitalist structure and less of an anarchist structure? Uh, so to bring back, let's see, discourse from the 1920s, uh, it was more like the CIO bent the knee to a bunch of trade unions and joined the AFL. Uh, the Congress of Industrial Organizations was an industrial union structure. They just formed a federation with the AFL, which was a trade union, or rather a federation of trade unions. The The difference really between the IWW and the AFL-CIO, I, I would say broadly, is just early leadership, because they're they're looking to accomplish similar goals. The, the main difference is that the leadership of the IWW from the be- very beginning was originally made up of people from the CIO and AFL, they, they wanted to abolish the wage system, and as well, they almost wanted to make the need for unionizing itself non-existent, where the economy is, is cooperative, it's based off of people producing for their own need, and abolishing a need for a system of wages. The AFL-CIO has no, uh, no desire to do such a thing. So you're basically saying that the IWW functionally works towards what would be colloquially known as a gift economy. Mm-hmm. It's different for each person. I, I imagine a gift economy would be an acceptable version for most Wobblies. Um, a cooperative economy, I think, is generally what most IWWs are working towards. So, so it, we're, let's let's get back to the movie here. So in the in the movie, I don't I don't know if you were if you managed to catch the. At least the beginning of the Newsies, where they're organizing. You mean when they decide their uh, union and uh, sing their way to it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so we have to sing through the office. So you ta- you talked about the A E I O U, right? Um, yes. So the agitation would be, hey, what's going on with this price hike? 
you know, why why are the why is the newspapers increasing our prices by fifty cents a paper, so to speak? Um, then the 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 educate hey. would be, hey, you know, they they don't really care about us. They just they just want to make money. So we need to create um create a system where we can defend ourselves, right? Then the the inoculate would be like, hey, um, as we're building this, we need to make sure that we have a broader base of support across the the greater Manhattan area with other newsies and make sure that, you know, just because we're, we're on strike, they're not just going to go to a to another region and be like, yeah, we're just going to grab these newsies over here and make them make them take care of your region. Then the organized would be them actually forming to get forming the union itself, well, at least standing together and discussing with the other newsies in the regions and be like, hey, we need to stand together. And the unionize, the unionization would be them formally declaring themselves as a union and then performing the strike itself. If, if, am I, yes, if only am I, I getting that right? Yes, if only it were that simple in Five practice. Five days of the same dance. Um, it's very important. The First of all, the inoculation specifically refers to preventing workers from being cowed by the boss. Um, and it's a very important part. Getting from the inoculation to organizing is the hump that makes or breaks every every union. Because it's only talk. It's only holding meetings up until that point. Organizing specifically, and we didn't get to this part when I was making the acronym, so it makes sense that I'll get to it now. Organizing refers specifically as well to holding votes. Um, while votes don't it should. They're, they're sort of necessary for proper democracy. They're not always used. But, but holding a vote and just the act of working democratically together, sort of giving legitimacy, legitimacy to the institution that you're creating is what sort of creates the union itself. Um, makes it something greater than just we're a bunch of pissed off workers and we're working together. It's like we've gone from that solidarity union to a solidarity union with like teeth. You know, we held a vote. A, a perfect example is a solidarity union I participated in a couple months ago. I was working at a undisclosed warehouse with a couple of fellow workers, and we were all discussing wages. I had been brought on at a higher level than other people who had worked there longer. And I told them that. I was like, this is why we need to talk about wages. You guys are getting fucked. You know, if we hold a vote on this, would you like to if it's friendly should we all march on the boss and pre present these grievances and demands and we held a vote on first of all what our grievances were and then we held a vote on how we would present them to the boss and that legitimized us working together it makes it a lot easier to back out when it's just talk holding those votes creating an organizing structure and organizing together it's boring sometimes but also, it's fucking exhilarating when you're all sitting around a table saying all in favor. When it comes to something? Yes. When you say all in favor and everyone raises their hands and you you know you're ready to march on the boss, that's how you know everyone else has your back. And that's how you effectively march on the boss. And that's basically what the whole idea of, like, you know, uh, any sort of socialist agitation or any sort of socialist plan is just to democratize the workplace in, in exactly what you're saying, and this is one way to do it. Yes, I agree. That That is exactly the function of solidarity unionism. Yeah. 
but also, what if uh, your solidarity union is actually won by the mob? Checkmate, Vuvuzela. We uh, can't have socialism anymore. Uh, air horn your Vuvuzela. Uh, I'll say this. The mob is extremely cool and good if it's implied they killed John F. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> there once was a union made. She never was afraid of goons and ginks and company finks and the deputy sheriffs who made the raid. She went to the union hall when a meeting it was called. And when the Legion boys come around, she always stood her ground. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Yeah, so, um, I think to get into our second movie of the night, we did watch The Irishman, and... All of us watched The Irishman. Well, I didn't watch Newsies, so... Well, I'm sorry. And, to, and, and to be completely fair, uh, The Irishman is a three and a half hour long movie, which in itself, compared to today's movie standards, is, would be split into The Godfather parts one through three. Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It definitely feels like three movies in one. But to be completely fair to The Irishman, like, wh- when I sat down to watch that three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour movie, I did not at one point get two hours to the movie and be like, oh my god, has it been two hours? Damn. I, 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 that's way too long of a movie. Like, I, it, it, for yourself. Yeah, it, it I, held... I, did, I did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we I, got I felt... bored half an hour. I, I personally... Jeez. <laughs> I, I personally I personally really enjoyed the movie and I think that's because I was riveted by the tale of Jimmy Hoffa and how he fought for the Teamsters Union and the mob was just like, no, fuck you, we're gonna murder, murder your ass off. Yeah, I was really happy to be drawing on my commissions uh, while watching that movie, otherwise I would have been well and He won three Oscars! Bored. Okay, fuck the... Fuck them. Like, honestly, fuck the Oscar people. The only time I've ever agreed with the Academy was on Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> that movie was gold. Into the Spider-Verse is good. But, um, The Irishman presents a very interesting tale of unions and sort of a more reactionary side of it. And I think, like, the very obvious bad faith reading of The Irishman is just to say unions are bad because the mob can get involved. But if you look at what exactly they're doing, what they're actually... If it exists, the mob can get involved in it. No, no, I'm, what I'm saying is what they're actually doing in that movie is not so different from, from, like, people on Wall Street nowadays doing stuff with 401ks. Because essentially what they're doing is they're basically saying, alright, we're going to use all these, these people's pensions in the union, and we're going to invest it, we're going to um, basically make really shitty loans to people that we don't care if they pay them back, really. We'll just pocket the money on the side. And that's what a 401k does, if you look at, especially with the bubble that we're in right now. Essentially, what ends up happening is, is like, people will be like, alright, so instead of going to a union and having their pension, it's much more safer to just put it in these other companies and they'll invest it for you. But what they invest in is typically dog shit, especially considering, you know, like, we work. Or like, like any sort of things funded by Saudi billionaires. It's it's basically a a racket in the same sense. I do want to point out that a lot of the majority of four hundred one ks are run by a lot of uh, the majority of four hundred one ks is actually run by a lot of these firms that claim to beat the S and P five hundred. 
Um, and the majority of them, I think it's something like what nine. The fuck is the S and P five hundred anyway? <laughs> so it, we'll go into that for in a second. But so ninety five percent of uh, these firms that handle four hundred one ks do not beat the S and P five hundred over the over the term of ten years. Um, I. I my understanding of the S&P 500 is very cursory, and I'm not sure if Fiber or Khan know more about the S&P 500. It's basically, like, the top 500 companies, how well they do, and typically if you invest, like, in, you know, you can't really invest in the S&P 500. Uh, what you need to do is basically go to, like, you know, some sort of, like, fund or something like that. It's basically the average amount the stock market returns, and if you look at it over, like, a period of time of, say... 40, 50 years, it's almost generally going to be going up ever so slightly every single year. I mean, you have dips and other stuff like that, but on the trend, the whole, the trend line is going up just because of, you know, because of how production works and how things are streamlined. Kropotkin even talks about this, like, he understands it. But, um, what I was trying to say with my whole idea was, is that, yeah, uh, one of my things is, is that the argument against unions, basically because sometimes they're corrupt or something like that, it's not really an argument against the idea of having a union. It's an argument against, really, capitalism in general. It's because money is what's driving people and to do these things. Because, like, again, you can have it. We have this same corruption under a privatized system. We have, like, these people are getting fucked out of their pensions and their 401ks by people who are held even less accountable than people like Jimmy Hoffa. So... It doesn't matter. Let's look at the crash of 08 where, you know, millions of people literally lost everything in that crash because in their 401ks. I we per, I, I don't know if you guys know them, but uh, I personally know of um, an individual who had lost their for, literally like tens of thousands of dollars in their 401k because of bad investments during the crash of the of the uh, during the 08 crash and it's not something that they particularly picked it's because the firm that their bit that their workplace had put the 401k's uh trust in had invested badly and lost all of their money yeah and it's the same thing with like any sort of like what exactly what jimmy hoffa was doing and so like the argument that unions are bad because of you know you had a corrupt teamsters union that was using the same sort of rhetoric to build trust and then pay out pensions, it's more or less the idea, it's more or less an argument against capitalism. It's not an argument against uh, sort of unionism, in a sense. Um, so to kind of give uh, the quick storyline of The Irishman, uh, and I'm going to try to Thank keep you. this shorter than three and a half hours. Um, oh. <laughs> it's about... Hey, what do you mean, yeah. try? <laughs> yeah, try. Um, do or do not? The, the, the entire movie is... a based around the experience of one Teamster member, uh, Frank the Irishman Sharan, who, like our guest Fiber today, is a house painter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Paint my house, daddy. <laughs> um, you don't want me to. Oh, my God. And the, the entire movie is about how Frank um, rose up through the ranks of the the union and furthermore the mob that that can that had its grip on the union and became friends with uh jimmy hoffa the the famed mobster who disappeared in july of 1975 um there was heavy implications that the mob like we were discussing before um had taken the pensions of the teamster union 
and had invested it to benefit themselves as opposed to the union as a whole. Specifically in casinos and Vegas, and they were also talking about trying to get their... They had um, investments in Cuba before Castro came to power. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It, to, because because I think it's a good enough movie that you shouldn't that you should watch it. I'm not going to give too many spoilers um, beyond the fact that uh, Frank details how Jimmy dies um, and what happens to Jimmy in the end of the union. Um, I did want main... to make a note that there was some. I looked this up to see if this how true the story actually was, and according to at least the Wikipedia page, there is some. Um discrepancies in the in the idea that the Irishman um, Frank killed him. Um, for instance, the blood found in the house actually did not match Jimmy Hoffa's DNA. Uh, so that's interesting. No. It's, de- it's definitely a historical fiction. Yeah, it's, um, definitely, it's definitely frustrating. We don't actually know for exactly what happened to Jimmy Hoffa, but it, this is a hypothesis that I think is... Fairly likely, I think he died probably in some way, shape, or form. It was disposed of in a way that you can't get it back. And I would, I would like to point out to any FBI or CIA listening, uh, just because Fiber is a house painter, just like Frank, he has no idea what happened to Jimmy Hoffa's body. Damn. Wait, you mean all that stuff I shared about it earlier oh, before we started recording? Don't, don't stop. You, you can't oh, d- stop. Bad. Don't incriminate yourself. They'll come after us next. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'd right. just like you to guys, say I have uh, no association with the Furries Get Bread Pilled <laughs> podcast. I don't know who these guys are. Uh, Where am I? You know? Oh, you guys will be fine. We'll just we'll set you up with some work. Just just calm down. <laughs> just reminds you, guys, me, uh, you guys like painting, right? I will. Yeah, I will say yeah. um, two of my favorite um, actors in, in the Irish because I do think it's a good movie. Was uh, I liked um, Joe Pesci and Joe Ray, Pesci Ray Romano as the lawyer was really good. Especially that, that opening yeah. scene, I'm that sorry, opening part, what? where he like gets him off of like just blatantly stealing a bunch of meat. Uh, yeah, he he goes he goes to the he, the 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 head of the un- of his local teamsters union. He's like, "Is there anywhere is there anywhere in the contract that says I can get fired for stealing?" And the guy's like, "Uh, no. Um, are you ever going to tell anybody who worked with you?" And he's like, "No. Okay, I guess we're all good here." Yeah, and then he defends him, and he's like, he didn't, there's no evidence of him stealing anything, because he didn't steal anything, and he, like, wins the case, ter- like, really well. And there's actually yeah. a callback to it late in the, later in the movie, when Frank becomes the um, president of the Teamsters Union at that area, and then he says, oh, did you steal anything? I don't care if you did. He's like, oh, yeah, I stole something. He's like, well, can, can they prove it? And they're like, no. He's like, are you going to provide names? Well, no. Okay, then you don't do, have to do anything. So, you, yeah. I just want to say this. This honestly, I, I thought that was one of the cooler scenes in the movie. I, I know it benefited the mob and not workers here, but th- there's very important details about this scene that are important. The first one is uh, never and fucking detail. snitch. Okay, even if you did steal or didn't steal from your work, or you did or didn't work with the mob, all talking about that does is help the boss because it's you're mm-hmm. still gonna be responsible for whatever thing the boss thinks you did. And mm-hmm. second, um, the early IWW, though presently the union does not endorse such tactics, uh, use tactics such as sabotage, which involves stealing from your fucking boss. Because it's a way to, like, get around your wages being fucked with and doesn't involve, like, open warfare-like strikes. Um, and and here, here's, a, here's a fun fact. Uh, 
if you don't get caught, you can do any crime you want. Though I obviously don't endorse stealing from your boss. Or maybe I do. Okay, here's the deal. Be gay, do crimes, get away with it. <laughs> yeah, it is official that the uh, Furries Get Bread Pill podcast, as well as Fiverr the Simonyed, have officially supported be gay and do crimes. Here's all I have to oh, say. What, if I learned one already? thing in my uh, law and philosophy class, it's that morality and legality are not connected. So therefore, you know, if the legal positives positivists are to be believed you know do whatever's moral fuck the laws but that's contentious so we uh firmly chaotic good here right yes yeah when anarchist podcast so i firmly believe that anybody listening as well as anybody who comes on this podcast will be hey what's fuck on this the podcast? man tom the fbi agent watching this well i hope they're at least good aligned or think they are well, the FBI and CIA are actually currently edging themselves uh, until we formally admit our ties to the mafia. Um, actually, it was I killed Jimmy Hoffa. I knew it. Why? I did it. In, I did it in in the loft with a candlestick. Wait, I thought I killed Jimmy Hoffa. No, no, I did it. Oh, no, no, I was I no. It. I killed Jimmy Hoffa because you guys just thought you killed Jimmy Hoffa, but he was still alive after he was dragged away. I was the one who landed the final blow. Okay, y'all are like both. Then got it. Cool. What was that? What was that? What was that movie? The the mur- mystery murder on the Orient Express or something? Yeah, like murder on the Orient. Yeah, that was the yeah. Agatha Christie novel. Yeah, where everybody involved, everybody on the on the train actually murdered the guy, so none of them could be implicated because when the when the inspector found out, they just killed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I like Agatha Christie. Yeah, that's Praxis, actually. Kill the fucking cop. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. I mean, honestly. Ekeb, 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 Ekeb. Hey, how dare you? My my uncle was a cop. Parody, parody, in the game, in Fortnite, in Fortnite. Oh, of course. All, all I have to say is, even this implication, did you know that my uncle was a cop during the LA riots? They should, Why? You should respect him. I should? Well. Listen, fuck, fuck you and whatever filthy fucking cop you're related to. <laughs> oh, please fuck me, though. <laughs> Uh, uh, no. Um. So I, I actually, I don't know if Fiber knows the extent of this, but um, the I, uh, the the Teamsters actually weren't the only union that were involved. It had mob ties or mafia ties. There was actually a long history of unions and mob ties. Um, and I, I firmly believe that it was a, an act of um opportunity because the mob or the and the mafia were the only people. Uh, who are willing to defend the union because when you're being attacked by both private and public police forces, i.e. the Pinkertons, um, or Pinkwater, there you have little recourse to defend yourself. Where when you literally have people who are hired to effectively kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that's mildly. I would say it's a very rosy version of what was going on there. Um, because you have to remember, after World War Two and Taft-Hartley, unions were bleeding like a fucking stuck pig. Like, mm. membership was declining, revenue was slowing and drying up. In general, the government was doing everything in its power to dismantle and destroy labor power before it took over the U.S. government. Question about Taft-Hartley. That was passed during, I'm assuming, the Taft administration, right? I don't fucking remember. Or was that lit? Hold on, let me look it up. But, uh, continue. Uh, the important thing about that is, like, for example, say, like, I think gay bars are the best example to give you an idea of, like, what the relationship of marginalized communities with the mob were, is you didn't have a say in whether the mob worked with you, 
you're either dead or you went along with it. The mob had more power than the unions, therefore the unions went along with it. I'm not saying Hoffa was held hostage, the dude made a killing. But rank and file, let's just say democracy didn't really matter for them. Yeah. Even though they did their best to try to elect people. Actually, um, interesting note, um, Taft-Hartley was actually uh, vetoed by President Truman, but actually um, was enacted by the Republican Congress after his veto. Right. And that that leads us to, to sort of the events of the movie and The Irishman, right, where Jimmy Hoffa is sort of playing along with, but also getting fucked over by the mob at each turn. He's sort of there... Unions are not always good, folks, uh, especially an organization that's trying to just stay alive and survive by any means necessary. In the economy of the 70s, where mm. things were as turbulent as, like, humanly possible, uh, yeah, like, union leaders bent the knee to the mob. It, it wasn't a, a very peaceful relationship at all. Well, yeah, especially, you know, during the 70s, during the OPEC crisis, it's sort of the death knell of Keynesianism and sort of the rise of neoliberalism, where basically unions were uh, on the chopping block as the Reagan administration came to power. Yeah, and, and, and the Carter administration was in office for a little bit. But um, Well, to, to actually, let's, t- let's actually do a little bit of um, contemporary history here. Let's tie it into the most recent... Um, debacle in nevada with the the, the food and suit for service union if i'm not mistaken that refuses that to the one, uh, the one that refuses to endorse bernie sanders oh oh well they said they i thought they said they endorsed him but they just didn't have endorse medicare for all why i believe they endorsed biden and sanders Am yeah I wrong? so oh yeah it's some weird shit so from my understanding and it should be completely honest i'm getting my entire understanding from a quick aside on chamber trap house uh, my understanding of it is the the union did not want to full out endorse Medicare for all because the union itself was focused solely on uh, getting health care for their members, and that was literally the the sole existence, the only the sole reason of the union's existence. So if let me guess, they sent Anderson Dawes to take care of it. To <laughs> no, um, so when they so when they finally uh, achieved you know health care. Um, if, if the union had, if the union endorses Medicare for all, it's basically giving a big fuck you to all of the union members who had fought for their health care. Mm. Um, so they, they can't in good conscience as a union, as an organization that wants to continue to survive. And this is what Fiverr touched on earlier. When you're, when you're at a point where you're kind of in the death knell, you, you, you do anything to stay alive. And it's not always good. Yeah. Uh, I would say categorically, Medicare for All empowers workers. And it's it's the same ridiculous premise that uh, people who are opposed to like college debt forgiveness trot out. Where it's like, well, we fought so hard to get here. And it's like, cool, you're relieved of duty. Everyone gets this now. Congratulations. Keep fighting. Like, Congrats, you the won best. the fight. You won the fight. Yeah, we, yeah, you, yeah you that's won. basically it. That's what you, you get. Won. <laughs> this, is what, this is what it looks like. It's like the weird uh, hypocritical, hypocritical, hypocritical boomer notion that they're like, oh, we want to bring, we want to, we want it, our, our re- most recent generation to be better off than we are. But at the same, but in the same token, they'll turn around and be like, oh, you guys have it so easy. Well, yeah, that's the entire, that's the entire point that's of the, the thing. That's the point. But you're the not, ironic you're not thing here... is also that we're not better off than boomers. <laughs> Yeah, also that. Like, holy crap, we're actually worse off than the last generation. How the fuck did that happen? Well, it's it's more of, we don't have as big of a bubble 
um, to latch onto. I mean, the bubble still exists, but it's not something that the the common man can can latch onto and profit from. Um, because we've had decades, and at this point, I think it's like 40 or 50 years of terrible austerity, yeah. where the, 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 entire, the entire capital is being more and more consolidated in the hands of the, the wealthy, that, you know, as the wealthy become more wealthy, there's less to go around. And as the wealthy try to get even more wealthy with the capital that they already have, they're increasingly shutting out those who are below them from being able to profit off what they're trying to profit off of. Please spend. No wage. Only spend. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, this is the sort of thing. This is, again, you know, I, I, I say this every single time on the podcast. I, like, lose my fucking mind over neoliberalism. But it, it, it's neoliberalism. It's, that's the answer to a lot of the issues. Like how the fuck does that work? It's, it's not, it's, like, sort of a weird thing. It's not that hard to understand where it's just when you do austerity you'd cut you know social programs down to the bone you cut all this other stuff down to the bone and then you siphon all that money that you supposedly saved to like this is why people who talk about the national deficit are fucking cretins and you shouldn't believe them it's bullshit um all that money that they supposedly save quote unquote just goes to big corporations and their donors because that's the name of the game they're not going to use it to pay off the debt because the debt is like a, a fucking myth. Like, if you want to talk about... Well, because it's, it's funny. It's really funny because the debt, because it's in dollars, the, the Federal Reserve literally can just print the debt away. Can just be like, yeah, we're going to print the trillions of dollars and just give it to, the, to our debtors. And yeah, it's going to cause wicked inflation. But at the same time, there's no more debt. There it goes. Well, at the, at the same time, also, like, it might not even cause inflation. Like, non-inflationary spending is a thing, and, like, a lot of people, like, neoliberals especially, don't like to, like, go over the concept of, like, MMT, which is, uh, what is it, international monetary uh, theory. Or, yeah, I think I think that's what it, what it stands for. Um, and basically, no one wants to, like, talk about that because it kind of invalidates their whole system. This is why, you know, a lot of economics, you know, economics in universities tends to be kind of a racket because it's like, all right, so if you suppose that uh, neoliberalism works, then we can have all these different graphs. And it's like, well, you're presupposing that this economic system is working when the reality is, is that it's only, it's not even been working. And two, it only works by force on, especially on, like, you know, the IMF just exploiting smaller countries, especially, you know, Jamaica, uh, Chile, um, just Bolivia, Venezuela, any other number of, like, global south countries where they're just like, oh, yeah, now you have a billion dollars in debt, uh, pay back. Um, Ukraine is also another example of that. Now, as not a Leninist, Leninist podcast, I would like to point out that Lenin had actually brought this up back in... The 1920s, 1930s, before the IMF became like a huge thing in his book, Imperial Imperialism, the final stage of capitalism, where he basically said, you know, all these capitalist countries giving out loans to these cheaper countries and, you know, extracting interest rates. That's literally imperialism. That's literally that's basically colonialism. It's neocolonialism. That's the actual term for it. But uh, I, that's what I find kind of funny is like uh, Lenin was actually against the IMF, <laughs> like thirty, like like what, like fifty years before the IMF actually got got fun, got started. 
When did the IMF start? It was it was like late seventies, early eighties. It was basically started by the U.S. and a bunch of other countries, mostly the U.S. The U.S. is the principal uh, debtor in uh, the IMF. Uh, created in nineteen forty four. During the Roosevelt administration. Really, was it not 1944? Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's at Union Train coming, coming, coming. It's at Union Train coming, coming, coming. It's at Union Train coming, coming, coming. Get on board, get on board. Um. So, looping back to the topic uh, of the pot uh, of this episode uh kind of wrapping it up because we are hitting that hour hour mark here and mm-hmm. i i'm pretty sure fiber doesn't want to sit here and talk unions with us for the next three hours yeah what are you talking I about mean, Un- un-ironically, mean? ironically that I sounds like to. fun that that sounds <laughs> like a good time um i haven't even scratched the surface by the way uh can we talk about asset-backed securities for a little bit hell yeah uh, let's do uh, it sure let's, let's do, do it. it let's let's, let's become right the now. let's become an economic podcast for a second PSA, if you have a retirement fund, a 401k, a pension, anything that you can control where the investments go, I am telling you right now, you have 12 months, not to be alarmist, but presently where we're at with the economy is there is something underpinning it. We have a great commodity, and it's called loan debt. And in 2007, the great commodity was mortgage loan debt. Uh, and then that blew up the economy because people stopped paying their houses. Ah, ah well, uh, all's well that ends well, because now those uh, mortgage-backed securities are no longer in vogue. We have created a new securitized product. It is called the asset-backed security. There are two major assets that back these securities. Auto loans. Uh, you know, auto cars. Things that are clearly people make their car payments on time. And two, student loan debt. Mm. Uh, we depend on people paying their student loans on time. What two things that uh, generally uh, people don't pay on time, and yet we've created asset-backed securities that contain these products. We are at a point where the level of asset-backed securities in the market is the same as the amount of mortgage-backed securities in the market were in 2007. I'm not saying that a recession is going to happen tomorrow. But should these securities go bad, and I have every reason to believe they will, when the next recession begins, they will cause the next, the next recession to become far worse than we could ever imagine. Because you can repossess a home. You cannot fucking repossess a car or a student loan. Well, you can repossess a car, but it's hard. You have to get dug... All I have to say is, uh, actually, what you need to do is, for the coming crisis, invest in Doug the Bounty Hunter, uh, or Dog the Bounty Hunter type shows, and then once he repossesses all the cars, you know... That's gonna make a bank. They're gonna like on like Spike TV. You're gonna make fucking bank off that. I'm sorry. Are we Josh with Let's Game It Out? <laughs> uh, but here, here, I'm I'm really serious about this. If you have access to choose where your retirement is invested, even for just the next two years, I would strongly recommend you ask your financial advisor. Do not invest in asset-backed securities or any securities at all. Invest in bonds, even if it gives you a lower return. Because I promise you, it'll be the biggest fucking headline when the next recession happens, probably at the end of this election cycle. When pe- when things start to go bad, they're going to go really bad. People aren't going to make their car payments. Auto loans are a boom market right now. It's going to be the same thing as 2008. And, you know, it depends on who's in power. Hopefully, here's my hope. If Bernie's in power, he can basically do, um, you know, what FDR did. 
and during because this is exactly what happened during the depression he can basically just buy out all those loans and basically um then what he would do at that point would be to like nationalize a lot of this stuff and basically say all right now in order to pay back all this stuff that we bought out you have to pay it to the government um so yeah i mean that's the biggest thing to do or you can do the obama thing which is uh bail everyone out and then um just have the same thing happen like 10 years later so like it's you can you can do the the dumb thing or the smart thing and i'm hoping that a sanders administration will do the smart thing Trump would, a Trump administration would definitely just blow up the economy and, and just not give a shit and do the exact same thing that Obama did. Find the surprisingly dumb thing to do. Yeah. Well, but, and I think it's actually scarier than Obama because at least Obama, you know, had bailed out something that people believed would back the economy. But I don't think Trump is smart enough to even work with the bankers to be like, oh, well, we, you done fucked up. Here's $6 billion. I, I think Trump would be more like, yeah, we just, just, just let him, you know, just, just let him, let him crash. We'll, we'll deal with, we'll sort through it later. And then all of a well, sudden, Trump's you not know, in power. Trump's not actually making these decisions. It's its cabinet. And his cabinet is a bunch of Republican ghouls that will do that. Well, fair enough. Um, so we're going to go ahead Obama and at least consulted someone though. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, call this the end of part one of the yeah. this union episode um and our guest and our guest today is fiber fiber the samoyed or brandon also is a organizer with the iww um before we go i would like to say thank you to uh Esipus for our love uh, our lovely patron who is probably going to be one of the only person who's going to be listening to this uh, I do hope that, you know, you'll be able to share this with your friends and get them to donate to us and learn more about unions. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm the Gecko. I'm Fiber. I'm Confight. I'm Athena. Peace. Oh, that means we got some time to watch the rest of the Irishman. <laughs> <laughs>